0: So if you know me, or if you've ever written anything, or excuse me, read anything I've ever written, or ever gotten a text message or an email from me, you might quickly learn something pretty core to my being, and that is I have a deep love and use of exclamation points. Anyone know this about me? Has anyone shared that? Has anyone else like, yes to the exclamation point? Uh-huh, I see my people out there, and I know some of you too who, who, who are, I also know some of you who aren't because I've gotten texts from you, I'm like, oh man, they're mad at me because there's no exclamation points. I said, why did they end that very exciting sentence with a period? Hey, Kevin, why don't I let you know, we just had a baby, period. What? Give me like 10 exclamation points. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you upset you had a baby? What is that? Exclamation points are important. In fact, that prayer we just read, uh, my major edit to that was, hey, Allison, it needs about 10 more exclamation points because this is exciting stuff we're talking about. And so right now, today, this service is kind of like the exclamation point to our entire God is series. See, the series can stand alone without today, and it's all true, and it is all good, and it is all well and right. But at the same time, it all also points to this. And like the perfect exclamation point at the end of a sentence, it it reveals and elevates the message that we have been proclaiming the entire time to its rightful place. So today is the exclamation point on this whole series as we explore God who is praiseworthy. He is praise worthy. It's fitting that this falls on our Thanksgiving day or our Thanksgiving service because he alone is worthy of all our praise and we could spend our lifetime thanking God. And in fact, I've heard it said before, if for someone who doesn't know how to pray, sometimes the most sufficient prayer is simply thank you, thank you, thank you. And we could say that all of our days and that is more than sufficient for God. He deserves all our thanks, all our gratitude, and all our praise. God is praiseworthy. When we say God is praiseworthy, we mean he is worthy of unlimited and unceasing worship forever. To bow before our God of glory and grace and adoration and praise, it's the only appropriate response and view of his attributes. We've spent many weeks looking at these these divine characteristics of God, and now we get to respond with praise. When we say worthy, that means God is deserving. He's deserving. It's based on God's 100% track record of all He is, all He does, always and forever. He is infinitely worthy. When we say praise, of course we mean giving Him worship, and worship is to ascribe worth. When we praise God, we say to Him, He is the highest level of worth and value out of all things created and uncreated, because He's the uncreated one. He deserves all our praise. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we talk about every single week in church since Christ came down. We have proclaimed this. God is worthy. We are here to declare all He is. And of course, all we are not. To acknowledge his proper place, which is on the throne, reigning above it all. When we give him praise, when we worship God, we are saying, God, you are the one I value over and above all else. God and God alone is worthy of all our praise. What has been your response throughout the series? As you've learned more about God, as you've, you've elevated your view of God and remembered all he is and his majesty and glory and splendor. Every single week, in fact, we have acknowledged that the growing knowledge of our God, it's our instinctual response to worship him. It is our soul crying out, singing praises to him. Oh God, you are so great. How could you not? For as his glory comes into focus, our eyes widen with wonder and our knees tremble at his sheer awesomeness. We experience this as we've been seeking the heart of God. And we also see it all throughout Scripture. See it all throughout Scripture. Today, we will focus on one chapter of the Bible, one passage of the Bible. It's Psalm 139. I encourage you to turn there if you have your Bibles sections of this psalm has shown up throughout the series many times and that's by design because today we will read it in its entirety for this, in this one psalm alone we will see all the attributes that we have discussed throughout this series. So in this exclamation point we will do a quick review of why God is so praiseworthy. My prayer for us today is for our hearts to awaken to wonder and worship as we bask again in the glory of god so psalm 139 we'll go through it in sections hear now the true and awe-inspiring word of the lord O lord you have searched me and known me you know when i sit down when i rise up you discern my thoughts from afar you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God searches God knows, God discerns, God is omniscient. That means he is infinite in knowledge and he knows us intimately. He doesn't hold all the knowledge, uh, excuse me, he doesn't hold the knowledge he has of us against us, but he hems in, behind and before. He guides, he guards, he protects those he knows and loves. And God, being both behind and before, we can profess God is eternal. His existence is eternal. There's never been a time when God was not. And there is nowhere we can go where God isn't already there. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. This knowledge, it is too wonderful for us. We can't comprehend his ways. They're so far greater than ours. For indeed, God is mysterious, and he is incomprehensible. While we can know him truly, we can never know him fully. But because God is eternally and infinitely good, we know that what we do not know about God is too wonderful for us. And so, throughout this message, I would like you to have a chance to respond. So I will say this line, and then you will get the chance to respond with hallelujah, So we respond with praise and we say God alone is worthy of worship. Hallelujah. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me if i say surely the darkest darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you god is near god is far god is high god is low he is fully present to all of time for all of time you ever played hide-and-seek with a kid, like a young kid? They are so adorable and so terrible at this game. They are so bad at hide-and-seek. And And then, you know, you find them, and and with the greatest look of joy and shock on their face, how'd you find me while you were standing in the open, right? Like, I was, right, you know this game. That's what we look like to God when we try to hide. It's like, who are you kidding? are you kidding? But what a gift. What a gift that we cannot hide from God. That God is always and forever present. Even in the lowest, darkest places, God is sufficient for us. God will care for you. God will meet you. God will be there for you, for his right hand shall hold us, and he shall lead us. He will never let you go. You know what else that means? That nothing can ever pluck you from the palm of his hand. You are safe. You are secure. You are sure in the presence and in the palm of Almighty God. God, who we can believe will care for us because he has no needs. He is completely and 100% self-sufficient. God lacks nothing. That means he can do anything and he will never grow weary. He has it all and he is with us. So we can say God is enough for us. And so we respond with praise and we say God alone is worthy of worship. Hallelujah. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God creates life. Bask in that sentence for a second. God creates life. He alone is the creator. He alone is the one who always is, who has no beginning. God is self-existent, and he does wonderful works. Can you say that's an understatement, that God does wonderful works? David says this in context about the human body. Do you understand how your body works? fascinating. It is fascinating. Nerves and neurons and blood cells and bone marrow and brain cells and tendons and fingernails. What's up with those? Why do they keep coming back? Why do they just grow? Why don't our bones just keep growing? That's a good thing they don't. I mean, they do to a point, right? But, but then I don't get it. I don't get it. It is a crazy, beautiful, complex thing that God has created. And you want to tell me this was all formed out of some accident? By no means. We are fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully made. I just, I start to sweat just thinking about how complex and beautiful and incredible God's creation is. And God created it all without breaking a sweat. It was no hard labor for him. It's who he is. Because the self-existent one, he creates life. His works are wonderful. His power is unmatched. And it is complete and infinite. God is omnipotent. None can challenge him. None can stand against him. None can harm him. And in his great power, he exercises his perfect rule. For our God ordains every single day before the creation of the world and over all of creation, he reigns and he rules with complete power, knowledge, competency, ability, justice, mercy, and love. God is sovereign. He rules, he reigns, and he is in control. And so we respond with praise and we say, God alone is worthy of worship. Hallelujah. How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. How vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. What a comfort. What a comfort. God is, after all, immeasurable. He's infinite. Grains of the sand, that's nothing. And not just that, but God endures. God is always with us. God is all of his attributes to the fullest measure. He is unchanging, which is a profound and deep comfort for us, for he is immutable, meaning that all he is, he always is, and evermore will be. His promise comes out to you, it will never go back. It is sure, and so we respond with praise. We say God alone is worthy of all worship. Hallelujah. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred, and I count them my enemies. Okay, that's a different tone. (laughs) Whoo, what is going on here? Uh, Hate with complete hatred. I don't see any exclamation. I do see an exclamation point. In Hebrew, they didn't have punctuation. If I was editing that and adding it, every line exclamation point. Count them as enemies. Loathe. You ever say, "I loathe that." I loathe you. You can't say loathe casually. You have to lean into loathe, right? If you, you really mm, you feel I loathe you. Have you ever watched a movie and the first three fourths of it are amazing, and then they completely botch the ending? When I first read the psalm, that's what I thought. I said, David, you missed it. You had a good thing going, and then you get here. What is going on? But he doesn't botch the ending. This is scripture. This, all of it is helpful for teaching and for training and for pointing us to God. See, throughout this whole psalm, a quick reading of it might make us think that, first, that this psalm is about David. You know, we, we said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Where can I go from your spirit? Search me, no, me. But as we do a deeper reading of this psalm, we quickly see it's really not about the created. It's about the creator. It's filled with awe for God. And our modern ears, we don't like or we don't even know often how to interpret or deal with verses like these ones. So I went to someone smart, and she'll help us out. Jen Wilkin, author of None Like Us, uh, or None Like Him, she writes this. Isn't awe of God supposed to inspire us to love others. Sensing that tension that I was talking about. In David's day, the battle, it was still against flesh and blood. But in our own day, we're called to love our physical enemies and make holy war on our spiritual one. The world, the flesh, and the devil, our response to the awesome revelation of God's character should be to hate sin with complete hatred, with every fiber of our being and to petition God to commit it to total destruction. Now, does that help frame these verses a little bit better? Yeah, how powerful. Because we've come to understand a bit of who God is, we by nature start to better understand all that stands against God. And rightly so. We ought to be filled with a righteous anger toward our spiritual enemies and the destruction of sin. That's what this is getting to. But even after this bold declaration in response to David's awe and worship of God, we close our reading today to see whose sin it is that concerns David the most in light of God's glory. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Worship is best expressed with an open hand and an open heart. In fact, I dare would challenge that you can't worship without those. Search me, God. Try me, God. Expose me, God. Lead me, God. I'm in awe of you. And as I stand in awe, I am completely and utterly humbled. We acknowledge and worship all God is. And in comparison, all we are not. And it leads us to confess, to surrender, to submit, to repent, and believe the good news. For it is abundantly clear we are not worthy. And so we can respond with praise. And we can say that God alone is worthy of worship. Hallelujah. We are not worthy, but God is. He is worthy of all praise, glory, honor, forever and ever and ever. There is none like him. God alone is infinite. God alone is unfathomable. God alone is self-existent. God alone is self-sufficient. God alone is eternal. God alone is immutable. God alone is omnipresent. God alone is omnipotent. God alone is omniscient. And God alone is sovereign. We are not. We never can be. And because of who our God is, we never need to. So we proclaim today that God, and God alone, is worthy of all praise. This draws us in to wonder. Do you feel that? Do you feel the wonder? We sought to better understand the sheer majesty of God, to have our view of Him expand like this ever-inflating balloon. But what really blows us away when we consider all these things is the perfect God in all his perfection stepped into creation through his son Jesus. This Thanksgiving day, we are filled with gratitude that God did not leave us to our own devices. He saw our brokenness. He saw our sin. He had every right to just be done with us. But oh no, that's not who our God is. Our God in his great power, his great knowledge, his great presence, his great Mercy, His perfect justice said, I will send my son. And Jesus came, God incarnate, came to earth. He walked this earth. He entered into the confines of the womb and the human body to be present, to walk amongst us, to love us in the flesh, to show us the way, to be the way to life. He said, we were dead in our trespasses but he made a way. Jesus Christ came down so that we might be raised up with him. We celebrate at this table today our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We remember all he is and all he's done and continues to do and what that means for us. We can... Ac- well, excuse me. That's an exclamation point. We can acknowledge... That Jesus Christ, the night before he was betrayed, he stood back. He looked, looked at his disciples, and he loved them to the very end. He washed their feet. He took on their physical filth upon themselves as a sign, as the, the spiritual filth he was taking on, the sin of sin, on himself to make them clean. He sat around the table, and he took the bread, and he broke it after giving thanks. And he said to them, each and every one of them, take and eat. This is my body, which has been broken for you as often as you eat of it. Remember me. After they supped, a little while later, again after giving thanks, he took the cup and he poured it out. He said, this cup represents my blood. This is a new covenant I make with you. As often as you drink of it, remember me. He offered this to his disciples, sitting around them, whom he looked at and loved to the very end. He saw his denier. He saw his betrayer. He saw those who doubt. He saw all who abandoned. And he said, this meal is for you. And so he says to us, this meal is for you. Because our God does all of this, yes, to save us, to give us this new life, but ultimately it brings him glory. Look at what he has done. He has saved a wretch like us. And so at this table, we can come with open and contrite hearts, acknowledging all God is and all we are not. We can say that the visible and tangible signs of grace at this table, that God alone is worthy of all of our praise. And as true worship is with an open hand and an open heart, before we partake of these elements and before we feast together in this meal of celebration and communion, we will first enter into prayer and we will reflect and we will be open and we will even just bask in the presence of our God. While we pray, the band will lead us through a song as well, and you're invited just to remain seated and do whatever you feel compelled to do as you commune with your God, whom loves you so much, to do this for us. People of God, let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for this meal. Thank you for what you established here in your Last Supper that your love for us is without end, that you entered into your creation to draw us out of our death and into new life so that we might bask in your goodness and in your presence forever and ever. We proclaim you are God and you are God alone and you alone are truly worthy of praise. But before partaking of this most divine meal, Lord, we come before you with open hearts, for we have sinned. We have acted as if we are God. We have sought control. We have thought we knew best. We have thought we have the power to get through, but we come to you to confess that we are not, we cannot. So God, we pray that in your Spirit's power you will meet us here as we open our hearts to you, and we ask you again to forgive us, that your spirit does its healing work in us as we prepare for this feast. Hear our prayers now, O Lord.